Hi, and welcome to Be The Flagship with our podcast host, Jeff Parsons. This is where we tackle the day-to-day talent management challenges you face, particularly in hospice and small healthcare organizations. And now, over to our host. Take it away, Jeff. Hello, and welcome to Be The Flagship. I'm your podcast host, Jeff Parsons. And this episode... This week's episode continues our month-long discussion and focus on workplace culture. If you will recall, last week's episode was great and included a guest speaker, Heather Thompson, a VP of Hospice down in Texas, talking about workplace culture and specifically the power of recognition in building that great place to work. This week, we're going to back up a step. And we're going to look at workplace culture a little more strategically and talk about the various components of workplace culture. And I've narrowed those down to the 10 components of workplace culture. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and get started. Increase the success of your hiring process by eliminating costly bad hiring decisions. Job candidates may interview well and have stellar credentials but still fail within your organization. Why did the new hire fail? Because they are not aligned with your values and goals. Or, they don't have the ability to make good decisions. Or, their behaviors are toxic. Or, because their interests are not aligned with the reality of their job. There is a better way. Increase the effectiveness of your hiring decisions through the use of Flagship Talent's Innovative Talent Assessments. To learn more, contact Jeff Parsons today to learn how you can eliminate bad hiring decisions. You can reach him at 800-530-4189, extension 101. Okay, we're back. Uh, And before we get back to our topic for today, the 10 components of workplace culture, uh, I have some exciting news for the listeners. We're actually launching two new podcasts over the next few weeks. One is for those who are in career transition, and the other is for those who would like to beef up in their leadership skills. And so you'll hear more about these two new podcasts uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. As I'm sure you're aware, you know, workplace culture is complex. It's multifaceted, and it encompasses various pieces or components. And these components collectively shape the environment, the values, the behaviors, and the attitudes within your organization. And some of the key components of workplace culture uh, include the following. Again, I've categorized those into 10. So number one is values and beliefs. The core principles and philosophies that guide decision-making and behavior within your organization. These include shared beliefs about ethics, integrity, and what is important to the organization. Now, I've never been to an organ, stepped into an organization, I don't think, I can't recall one at least, where the organization did not have their, they may call them a lot of things, you know, core values, values, principles. You know, you may see a lot of different words for it, but it's those core values really within the organization. And, but you'll see them on a plaque or framed and, and hung on the wall, and, which is great. I mean, it keeps it in front of people. And, you know, the more places you can post those things, uh, the better off you are. 
but they're meaningless if you don't, if they're not demonstrated in work on a daily basis. So it's it's one thing. It's sort of like do as I say, and not as I do. So yeah, I'm going to post these things. Here are our values. But then the key leaders within your organization, well, not just your key leaders, any of the leaders within your organization, throw those values, that plaque right out the window when they demonstrate a lack of care for their employees, a lack of integrity, a lack of honesty, all those types of things destroy whatever platitudes you have framed very nicely in place in your conference room, right? So it's more than a plaque. It's, it's more than framed uh, wall art in, in your conference room. These are core principles and philosophies that guide, should guide every decision you make, should guide your behaviors, how you treat each other, how the team behaves, how the team works cross-functionally with other teams. So your values and beliefs, I have ranked really as number one. Because without those, you don't have that golden thread, if you will, throughout your organization that connects behaviors and decisions and communication and all those other uh, key factors within culture. So the number one is your values and your beliefs. I will make a strong statement right now. It won't be the first. It probably won't be the last. But if you're not willing to live by those values, if you're not willing to demonstrate in a positive way uh, those values uh, that you have on the wall, uh, then do me a favor. Toss that plaque into the garbage can because it is worthless. And in fact, it does more harm than good because the employees look at it saying, yeah, that means a whole lot, right? Yeah, so it creates this sense of dishonesty within your organization if you say this is what we live by, but you don't demonstrate it. Okay, so values and beliefs, number one. Number two, your vision and mission. And oftentimes organizations get the two confused. Um, but your mission is is what you're going to do every day. This is our mission. This is our purpose for existence. And your vision is where you'd like to be in the future this is where we're heading and if we if we achieve our mission then eventually we will reach our vision and so the vision and mission these are the organization's long-term goals and your purpose again for being there a clear vision and mission statement provide direction and alignment for employees driving collective efforts toward a common objective I've seen a lot of organizations where they include a mission statement on the back of a, a, a business card. You know, and that's impressive. You get a business card and it has their mission on the back, but it's sort of like that plaque on the wall again with the key values. If that employee does not embody that mission statement and that vision statement, and if they don't understand their role within your organization in achieving your mission, and eventually your vision, then it's useless, right? The, I've, I've been in organizations where the employees could recite it, letter, you know, word for word. They could recite the mission. That's a little stronger because they're beginning to absorb, uh, you know, what that mission is and, and their role in the mission. But before you place 
your mission statement on the back of a business card. Make sure the carrier of that business card understands their role within your organization and helping you accomplish that mission is so important. Because they may be asked at some point, so, okay, so this is your mission statement, so what does this mean? And, and, and that employee at that point in time should be able to talk through what it means from their perspective, from their individual role within the organization, not recite something that's been told to them by the CEO or, or the HR person, that sort of thing. Uh, so, again, vision and mission, that's the second component of workplace culture. The third component is leadership style. The leadership approach and behaviors exhibited by your leaders within your organization, uh, that's really, truly important. I mean, I hear all the time, we lead by example. Okay, what kind of example? Do you lead by a positive example? You lead by a bad example. You know, you, you claim you have these values, you claim you have this mission statement, but yet you go around, you know, screaming at people, treating people badly, treating people in a vindictive, vengeful manner. And I'm a firm believer that you're always communicating something even when you're saying nothing. So when you behave that way, what are you communicating to the rest of your organization? It's communicating no matter what we say on the wall, this is the way, this is the way we really behave and this is how we really feel about people and one another. Right. And so leadership styles. And oftentimes you may have a top leader, a CEO, you know, who is a very effective leader. I mean, they they understand good leadership and they and 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 they model in a positive way your values and your mission and all those things. But they don't hold other leaders within their organization accountable for doing the same thing. Right. And and so it's very important to hold people to account for their behaviors. You know, they may be a stellar performer in terms of getting financial results, getting reports on time, getting those types of things. But if they use a scorched earth policy to do it, then they've done more damage than they have good, right, to your culture. And so hold your leaders accountable if you're the top leader within that organization. Now, oftentimes, a toxic environment is the product of your senior leader within your organization. I'm sorry for the strong statement, but it's a fact, right? Because number one, you don't hold leaders accountable, or number two, you're part of the problem in terms of behavior. And people see that, and, and, and they make decisions based on what they see, not what you say. Okay. So anyway, you know, I, I know it sounds like I'm on a soapbox today, but um, just felt like needed to get that aired. The fourth component of workplace culture is communication. And uh, that what I mean by communication, the exchange of information, ideas, feedback within your organization. Uh, so effective communication promotes transparency within your organization. It promotes a sense of collaboration within your organization and trust among employees and teams, when they feel like the leaders within the organization uh, hold their carts close to their chest, in other words, they're, they're not very open in their communication, they don't share much about themselves, um, you know, it's hard to develop that level of mutual trust that's needed. Um, so 
you know, the more transparent you are with communication, being open and honest with your communication, providing constructive feedback in terms of, you know, in, instead of destructive feedback, right? I see some leaders <laughs> who've read the first half of the Marine handbook, but they forgot to read the last half, right? The first half, you tear the Marine recruit down and make them feel like they're lower than low, and then you build them back up. Well, some leaders have read the first part, and they haven't read the second part. You know, they don't know how, or they're not willing, or they don't care on how to pick that person up and build them up and build their level of self-confidence and self-esteem within the organization. So communication is key. Having good communication processes, making sure that your employees understand what those processes are, uh, as opposed to assuming they understand. Um, Number five, employee engagement. You know, that's another HR buzzword over the last couple of years, uh, but it's true. You know, how engaged I am within that organization is an indicator of how committed and how much I believe that I have a real role to play in the success of the organization and that the organization cares about my success. So when we speak of employee engagement, we're speaking of the level of commitment, motivation, and satisfaction among employees. So if you have a positive workplace culture, it fosters high levels of engagement, and it does so by recognizing and valuing employees' contributions, providing opportunities for growth and development, and it promotes work-life balance. And so, again, going back to the episode last week with Heather, you know, she's really focused on recognition and celebration of successes and those type of things. Why? Well, for one reason, she believes in it, and, and uh, which is a great thing, but she also understands that an appreciated workforce, an appreciated team will work harder and be more engaged in trying to achieve the goals of the organization. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, so employee engagement obviously is, is very important. And so that's the fifth component of workplace culture. So let's take another break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the last five components of workplace culture. Did you know that a staggering 75% of managers admitted to making at least one bad hiring decision? That's a costly mistake for any company, impacting not only finances, but also morale and service quality. But fear not, there's a solution to prevent bad hiring decisions. Just imagine being able to assess a potential new hire's decision-making skills, their ability to learn quickly, their behavioral tendencies, and even their interests. By understanding these key factors, you can make better hiring decisions that lead to increased engagement, performance, and retention. That's where Flagship Talent Solutions comes in. Right! With our cutting-edge talent assessments, we're here to help you revolutionize your hiring process. Our assessments go beyond the basics, providing you with invaluable insights into each candidate. Wow! Picture a world where every member of your team is not only qualified, but perfectly aligned with your culture and goals. That's the power of hiring excellence. So, end bad hiring decisions today. Contact Jeff Parsons at 1-800-530-4189. And take the next step to building your dream team. Don't let bad hires hold your company back. Invest in excellence with our talent assessments. 
All right, we're back. We're back. So where were we? We left off with the fifth component of workplace culture, employee engagement. So just to refresh your memory before the break, the first component uh, would be your values and your beliefs. The second component is your vision and your mission. The third component is your leadership style. And I'm talking about your organizational leadership style, which is a collection of your individual, your corporate or your organization style is a, is a basically a reflection of your individual leadership styles and what the senior leader is willing to accept. Um, the fourth component was communication. And the fifth component was employee engagement. So the sixth component, diversity and inclusion. Uh, and this is the extent to which uh, differences in backgrounds perspectives and experiences are respected and valued within the organization. Cultivating a diverse and inclusive culture enhances the creativity within the organization, the level of innovation, and your degree of organizational resilience. And so that, you know, it's very important to make sure that you're inclusive in your hiring practices, uh, your promotion practices, uh, but you hold people to standards as well, uh, you know, performance standards. And, you, and some organizations tend to hide behind um, DEI initiatives as opposed to using it as a tool of strength uh, for the organization. So be aware of that. You know, at the end of the day, the organization has a mission in the organization in the community, and and your job is to achieve that mission, and uh, and you need the resource, collective resources within your organization to be able to achieve this, and so treating everyone the same, uh, regardless of uh, race, color, religion, all those protected classes is very important. So that's diversity and inclusion. Number seven, the work environment. This is the physical, emotional, and social aspects of the workplace. A supportive and inclusive work environment promotes well-being, productivity, and collaboration among your employees. But again, you know, so the work environment itself, you know, do, do employees within your organization feel that it's a safe working environment? Do they feel that you're committed to improving their work life and their processes to make life a little easier for them at work? Do you provide the systems and the other tools that they need to be successful? All of these things are folded into the work environment. It's really how it's perceived by the employees within your organization, not what you necessarily think. Uh, and perceptions reality regardless of the truth right and so if their perception is it's unsafe to them it's unsafe right and and so it's about managing that perception and, and helping them understand the work environment and why is uh, the work environment is what it is or if there needs to be change that you're committed to making the necessary changes number eight the organizational rituals and traditions you have within your organization and what do I mean by that? Well, uh, what are your established practices, the ceremonies and rituals that reinforce your organizational values uh, and build a sense of community? 
Uh, and, and this could include things like your team building activities, if you have any, uh, recognition programs, annual events, a celebrate achievement and milestones. Uh, my two cents on that uh, celebration moments should not be planned on an annual basis. You can have annual events, but if you wait 12 months to celebrate an accomplishment, it could be too late. Well, you should celebrate as you achieve certain milestones within your organization and not wait, not put it off. Celebrate as you go or you may never get there, right? And so, again, going back to last week's episode with Heather, she really focused on organizational rituals and traditions, you know, how they celebrate each other, how they recognize each other. It was so important. And when I say established practices, I don't mean just your documented procedures, rules, things. It's the unwritten rules. It's the mores within your organization. So how do you tend to treat one another? Um, You know, those types of things, those are your uh, unwritten rules, if you will. And so you have both written rules, your procedures, your policies, and your unwritten rules. And you have those in every single organization. So that's, again, your rituals. Number nine is performance management. And, of course, these are the processes and systems used to evaluate, reward, and develop employee performance. And a culture that emphasizes continuous feedback, learning, and growth fosters accountability, and it fosters excellence. In my view, you know, performance management has really gotten a bad, a bad name, a bad reputation over time. You know, when I'm, when I'm facilitating leadership development, I'll, when I get to this part of the workshop, you know, performance management, I'll ask how many of you enjoy doing performance evaluations and I've never seen anyone uh, raise their hands. Oh, yeah, we just can't wait to do performance evaluation. Right. So we create performance management processes that are cumbersome to the direct managers, employees within your organization. The employees don't perceive them as meaning much of anything. Uh, the And they get that from their leaders, by the way, in the comments that are made. Uh, managers see them as, oh, my goodness, as a burden rather than as an opportunity, right? And and so it just gets a bad, uh, bad reputation. And one way you can think of performance management to maybe give it a more positive connotation is instead of performance management, perhaps you need a performance development process. You're accomplishing some of the same things, but if you're focused on the growth and development of the employee instead of the carrot and the stick approach to management, you may get more effective results. So I promote performance development processes. So where is the performance today uh, in relation to the performance goals for the employee and, and where they want to be in their career and their next steps within the organization and tying it to succession planning and all those types of things that really provide a true incentive for an employee to do things differently. If the employee thinks, well, this is just, you know, uh, a process we go through every year where they tell me I'm getting, you know, 2% salary increase, you know, uh, you know it really doesn't mean a whole lot to the employee. It's just a check the box kind of thing. And, and your goal is to take performance management and transition it from a check-the-box type of thing to, hey, we believe 
we're committed to developing our employees, and we do that through our performance development processes. So give that some thought as you work to create that great place to work within your organization. And finally, drum roll. Let me get a drum roll here. The tenth component to workplace culture, adaptability and change. And this is the organization's ability to embrace change, innovation, and continuous improvement, cultivating a culture that values flexibility, resilience, and agility enables that organization to thrive in dynamic and uncertain environments. In most organizations, I have to tell you, change is a four-letter word. I've heard that no one likes change other than babies, right? You know, and, and so change can be seen as a threat. Uh, you know, you you can look at it, and 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 the way that we manage change can create resistance to change, right? It, it, if you manage change, and that we're going to force this down your throats, this is the way we're going to do it. And if you don't want to do it, you know, there's the door, right? You're going to create resistance. Uh, it may not be obvious, it'll be underground perhaps, but uh, it could be passive resistance. But you will create resistance to change. Your job is not to manage change. Your job is to lead change, right? And, and what do I mean by that? You need to establish the leadership within your organization and, and, and be perceived as a change agent. And, and it's the way that you communicate the change. It's the way that you hold people accountable for the change. It's the way that you deal with systems uh, when you're going through a change within your organization. All those things are really important. So think of change management in different terms, kind of like performance management. Think of it as performance development. Think of change management as change leadership. How are you going to utilize your leadership skills and your organization's leadership skills to implement change that increases the satisfaction of your workforce, it, in, it helps you achieve your business goals, that type of thing, by, by creating a workforce that embraces change, you can accomplish great things within your organization. You increase the agility within your organization and, and the flexibility within the organization. I'll, I'll give you an example. In my corporate HR career, we had a, two different divisions, and each division had various sites within within the U.S. and, and other countries. And um, and I was responsible for HR and, and uh, for the Americas and, and global talent management. And uh, one business, I won't mention which one, but it had been a part of a of uh, a long-standing manufacturing company with deep roots within the U.S. and a lot of hierarchy, a lot of bureaucracy, and change was very difficult and very slow within that organization. Our company acquired a part of that business, and but then we had another business where their history was a little different. We acquired that business, and they'd been acquired multiple times say so they knew you know they knew the gig right and they knew what to expect and change to them was easier and so we would implement what we felt was a minor change and that's a that was a lesson to us as well no change is minor when it comes to the employees you're changing the way that they do things 
it's all nature, right? And um, so the one business who had gone through multiple changes before were much more flexible, much more adaptable, easy to implement you know, most changes. The other business was very resistant, very resistant to change. It was very difficult to get them to move off center on any new thing you were trying to implement within that business. I can recall uh, from an HR perspective, we were implementing uh, wellness initiatives. And, uh, and as a part of the wellness initiatives, there was a wellness check, and you had to have um, blood work drawn so that they could create a baseline for you and hopefully detect things, you know, uh, uh, more serious long-term illnesses, diabetes, and, you know, all sorts of things. And, and, so, and it was very effective. We actually caught some very serious things I know, early on and may have saved some lives in the process. But in the one division that was easy to change, that was no problem. I mean, they adapted it, embraced it. it was very, their uh, implementation rate was very high in terms of the number of employees who signed up for the wellness and all that. The business that was very resistant to change was just the opposite. Their uh, implementation or their acceptance or their involvement percentage was very low. Their sign-up percentage for the wellness program was very low, right? And it took us about three years in that one business and about three times the effort we put into it than the one that's more flexible to get them to the point to where they really understood the nature of the change. They got it, and they began, and their implementation rate increased. Uh, and I was talking with one of the employees out in, in the manufacturing area, and uh, he had not yet signed up for the wellness initiative. So I asked him, I said, you know, so why won't you sign up? Why won't you participate? It's really a value added. It could increase your health longer term and decrease your benefit costs. That was the other astounding thing. We were offering very attractive incentives for them to sign up. And they were still reluctant and resistant to signing up. So it's like, so why aren't you willing to give it a chance, to give it a shot? His response was, and he was he was one of those employees who always had issue with everything, right? You know, he he always had a problem with everything. And and so I knew him on a first name basis being in HR. Uh, but um, but anyway, when I asked him that question, his response was, well, I don't trust the company. Who knows? You may be taking our blood, you know, and, and you know, with DNA and, and all of that sort of thing. You, you might be trying to clone people. I don't want to be cloned. And I chuckled. And with my warped sense of humor, uh, I said, well, I said, you don't have anything to worry about because if we were going to clone employees we would clone employees with a positive attitude and who would embrace the change we wouldn't we, we wouldn't clone the employees who think like you think now i probably shouldn't have said that but the employee did get the joke and laughed and what happened he signed up for the wellness initiative and uh I found out he had very high blood pressure, and and they you know put him on a mediation 
program to help him better control his blood pressure. So he saw almost an immediate benefit, plus he got a reduction in his benefit premiums for participating in the wellness initiative. So again, the warped sense of humor can get you in trouble on occasion, especially when you're in HR. But he had to look in the mirror and see it and see what he was thinking and saying and how ridiculous that was to finally say, you know, I'm probably being a little bit over the top. And he actually participated. And when you get that type of person involved and engaged, guess what? They talk it up to their other employees and get them involved as well. So number 10, adaptability and change. Uh, And so let's go through the list. 10 critical components of workplace culture. And as I mentioned these, and I intentionally separate these 10, I don't want you to think that they're 10 that stand on their own. Each of these 10 components are interwoven into each other, right? And so you can't have a positive workplace culture and ignore any of these 10. You've got to address each of these 10 components. So again, the 10 are values and beliefs, vision and mission, your leadership style. And again, when you think of your leadership style, begin to think of it as if people were describing your organizational leadership style, how would they describe it? your means of communication, your processes for communication, your level of employee engagement. What are you doing to try to increase the engagement of your employees? How do you feel about diversity and inclusion? I mean, you can talk a good game, but are you demonstrating it? Your work environment, you know, are you you maintaining a safe work environment uh, and where people feel that they can contribute their ideas uh, to help the organization be more successful? What about your organizational rituals and traditions? Do you take celebration seriously? Do you take recognition seriously? Uh, And if you don't, you know, what do you need to do different or do better? Uh, Your performance management processes, is it really performance management with a carrot and a stick, or is it more performance development where you're focusing on growth and what might be an obstacle to an individual employee's growth? And then number 10, finally, adaptability and change. How adaptable is your organization to change? How flexible are they with changing conditions and changing needs within your marketplace and that sort of thing? So these components interact and and intersect to shape the overall culture of your organization. They influence your employee behavior. They influence your employees' attitudes. They influence your organizational outcomes, your goals. And actually, they can be seen outside your organization, and especially in small healthcare when you're talking about patients, patients' families, and the community itself. It's really important how they view the organization, and and they can see, and they have their own ideas and perceptions about your organizational culture and how you treat employees. I mean, think about it. Have you ever walked into Walmart or a food store or any place like that, and the employee behind the customer service counter at the cash register is complaining about their job or complaining about another employee or doing all that stuff? How did it make you feel? about that organization, about the manager or the leader in that organization. The same could happen in your organization. How are your nurses talking about your organization? What are they saying to the patients and the patient's family? Are they talking about we? 
this is what we're doing, or are they talking about they? This is what they're making me do. That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? And if you don't know, you need to know. So those are all important for healthcare organizations. A strong and positive workplace culture is critical for attracting and retaining top talent, for driving performance, driving innovation, and fostering the success of your organization. And with that, I would like to close this episode with a quote. And here's the quote, and this is by Simon Sinek. Corporate culture matters. How management chooses to treat its people impacts everything for better or for worse. Again, corporate culture matters. How management chooses to treat its people impacts everything for better or for worse. And that's by Simon Sinek. So thank you again for listening. I look forward to next week's episode. Work hard to be the flagship within your industry. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Flagship with Jeff Parsons. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did like it, please subscribe and share with others. Until next time, take the step to become the flagship in your marketplace.